All right, so I'm actually not, I'm not going to preach the sermon. I want to, I think, I don't know, I feel like I'm being led in another direction, so we're going to talk a little bit. Y'all cool with that? All right, I, I want to give, especially for the new ones too that don't know the history, I want to give a little bit of history of me and the church. I think it'd be a good opportunity to do that. Um, I would have to rush through this sermon anyway, and, or I'd have to be way over, and I'm supposed to go to a birthday party and shoot kids in the face with a paintball gun, and I don't want to miss that. <laughs> Because I missed the last one, and my buddy told me, he's like, hey, you going to make it to this birthday party? And I was like, where is it? And he was like, I said, a paintball place. I was like, yes, <laughs> I'm definitely going to be there. So I'm supposed to go straight there when I leave here, so I can't go too far over. So, But I do want to give a little bit of history for those of you that don't know me and don't know the history of the church. I'm going to try to make it as brief as possible. I don't want to bore you to tears, but I think it's a good thing, and I think that we've got a pretty cool history, um, and I think... As we lead into what we're going to be doing in the future, I think it's good to know where we've come from. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on me, but just kind of give you a brief history. I <clears throat> uh, <laughs> was born at a young age. I was, <laughs> I was, uh, <laughs> I don't want to go into too much detail, but basically I, I kind of had a rough, rough growing up with uh, my dad left when I was young, and that whole song and dance, he was into drugs and, and alcohol, and I wasn't faithful and all these things, and so I had this outlook on life that it was just going to be that way, and I uh, had a weird paint, weird picture painted, as I would describe it, of life, and thought that was it, and thought I'd probably die in my early 20s, and whatever, what people say around here is roll tide, roll tide, we'll just do whatever. So my whole my whole life was just to just party and have as much fun until whatever. I had no visions of future family or anything like that, certainly not being a pastor, uh, and so that, that was the life I lived for years, um, although there were many times, even when I was younger, that uh, there were people that stepped in, and really the Holy Spirit stepped in and spoke to my mom about some things in my future and even put people in her path that would prophesy over, over me being a pastor at some point, although I ignored all those things because that was just not what I thought was for me. Um, fast forward. Um, Around age 19, I started working with a guy at Mobile Paint, and uh, he was a Christian. I'd met lots of Christians over the, over the years, didn't care too much for him. Most of them I thought were hypocrites and, and uh, holier-than-thou kind of types and more suit and tie, um, kind of better than you. You know, don't chew gum, don't, don't do bad things, and it was just, there was always a disconnect there for me. Um, so... Met this guy, Jarrett, at, uh, at work. Jarrett was same, around the same age as me. Uh, very charismatic guy, personality-wise. He would sing worship songs up and down the, the warehouse. It was kind of weird. And uh, we'd go to the break room, and sometimes he'd read his Bible. And it was just kind of, I was curious. You know, I wanted to poke, I like poking, like poking at the beehive. And I wanted to see what his angle was, and so I started kind of quizzing him on things and asking him questions. And I didn't like most of the answers because it kind of went against my lifestyle at the time, but I was curious, and he was very genuine, and he took his time to love me and, and, and care for me and, like, explain things to me in ways that, that I could understand them the best he could. And uh, even, even though I was kind of a jerk <laughs> back then, and I probably gave him a lot of, a lot of junk, um, but at the same time, I watched him do things that I hadn't seen other people do. Um, I kind of sat back and watched. I, we had a, at the time, we had a, we had a, um, a boss that was really rough on us and uh, just treated us badly. And even if we were right, I liked to argue a lot back then. I grew up kind of fighting and arguing a lot. And so I would, 
I had a smart mouth too, and so occasionally he did too, and I would see him go back and apologize to our boss, even though he was right, and it just blew my mind. I was like, "How? why are you doing that? You were right in that situation. He was like, yeah, but he's still our boss. I need to honor his position, different things like that. He would say weird things like that. I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Um, then over time, I began to see um, God just work in and through him in little ways, lots of little ways. Um, and I love how God does this. He finds these ways that we can see visibly. And many of you have heard this already, but the one, one of those monumental moments, there's lots of them in my life, this one when he was walking through the break room just in passing and he had just lost a loved one and um, I hadn't seen him pretty much all day. He had been out in his car praying and crying and uh, came in and his face was red. I said, man, you know, I was just like, hey, you okay? And he just put a big smile on his face like, yeah, man, God is just so good. He's, God is just so good. And he walked past me and I about fell out like in the break room. I was like, like, it didn't make any sense to me. I couldn't understand that, how someone just died and he should be sad. And he was sad. But for him to say that God is good in the middle of that, it was the first example I'd ever seen of someone living outside of their circumstances, something we talk about often here. But I saw him and I was like, I don't know what to do. I didn't have a place to put that. I'm looking for an angle because I grew up hustling and I knew hustlers and I knew people had an angle. Everybody had an angle. And I thought for the most part, he was trying to witness to me or whatever it was to kind of check something off his list or to try to get me to go to his church, right? And so I, had, I was looking for this angle, but in that moment I thought, I don't understand this, how is God good when something bad happens, you know? It was one of those supernatural things. And what that was, what I know now, hindsight, was the Holy Spirit in him. And I was drawn to it. I was like, I don't know what that is, but I want that. And uh, from that time on, I began to poke more <laughs> and ask more questions and and he invited me to come to some little conference thing that was at, it was a church off of Airport Boulevard. And uh, he didn't even show up, jerk. No, he didn't even show up, but I showed up. And they had some skits and some different things. It was, it was a pretty legalistic way to try to scare people into getting saved, but it didn't matter. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. Like, it was, it was God's timing, and it was my time to, to come to know the Lord. And, man, it, it, I don't even remember what they said. I don't remember what I said, but I remember just running up to the front and just crying and snotting and, just giving up, just basically giving up all these, these things that I thought that I had control over. And that was one of the things I, I'll never forget of that day was, you know, growing up in the environment that I did, I always thought that I needed to have control. I didn't, I didn't know who was going to be there for me. We bounced around between homes and my, my grandparents and, you know, low-income housing and the whole food stamps and all this stuff. I never knew if where, you know, where a meal was going to be or where my home was going to be. So I always thought that I had to control that. So I started working when I was 15 and pretty much worked ever since, and so I wanted to take care, I thought that I could take care of myself, which is a complete fallacy, but I really wanted to be kind of pull yourself from your bootstraps kind of guy, and so man, in that moment, I'll never forget coming up to the altar and just, just, just crying and saying, Lord, here, you have everything, and it was that control that he wanted, the one thing I didn't want to let go of, he said, I want that, I want that in your life, and it wasn't that he was twisting my arm to do it, he was wanting it so that he could give me a better life without all the stress that I dealt with my whole life, being, having this orphan heart not knowing what I, whether I had a purpose or not. I really didn't have a purpose or a meaning or anything like that. So from then on, if, if, you've, if you've ever been saved, uh, man, those first, especially those first few weeks, it's like cloud nine, right? It's just like all this weight's been lifted, and now I'm running around the warehouse singing worship songs like an idiot, and, uh, and it's just like everything's just great. And one of the things, and I'll never forget either in those first few days, I, I grew up cussing a lot. It was like every other word was a cuss word. And it was just in, it was just, it was almost like in me. It was like I would use it like I would use, every, you know, it was just, 
And I remember even in, in high school thinking, I should probably not cuss so much so I can get a decent job because I sound like I'm ignorant. And I could never shake it. And I'll never forget, it was like two weeks after I got saved, I woke up one morning and I was like, I haven't cussed in two weeks. Like, I haven't even had to try not to. And I'm not saying you're bad if you cuss. I know that's just, it was just something, it was one of those little deposits for me that I needed, I needed to know that something really happened two weeks later. And it was one of those things that said, it, I didn't have to work for it because I'd tried to work for it before and it never worked. Um, but for me in those first two weeks, it was really cool to see that, that God had done something for me that I could never do on my own. And for me, that kind of opened my eyes to something. I think that was very personal. I'm not saying you're bad if you cuss or anything like that. You guys know me. It's not a big deal. But for me, it was really cool in those first, I'm just kind of giving you history, in those first few weeks to see that. Uh, moving on, I started going to church. I went to several different churches. Uh, what I kept finding in churches, what I didn't know then, what I know now, was the little bits of, of man-made religion that was woven in them. And there were good things that I learned. I don't want to say it was all bad. I learned a lot of good things in different denominations. I first went to a church of God, very charismatic. Um, and there was, you know, what, what they called concert prayer, where we would praise at the same time. And um, there was always coming up to the altar and falling out. And a lot of the things that you would associate with a charismatic-style church, um, speaking in tongues, uh, all those things, gifts, just prophecy, all the, all the different things that are in that. Um, and all those things are good, but... The, what I saw that I didn't know what I was seeing was the, the, the kind of poison, which is law that works its way into grace that we discovered years later, which is the whole merit system, basically. You, you, you have to go through this process. You have to be anointed enough, and then there was still this, this certain way you had to dress or act or do or, or whatever it was. There was always this kind of hook. I used to love when Mark Wyatt would say, no hooks. We've got no strings attached. And that's what Jesus does. He gives us this, this life for free, and he's not trying to hook you into something. Uh, but it was hard for me to see back then. I thought that I was just wrong because I was young and ignorant. So I was like, they must be right, and I'm wrong. So I just went along with it and went through the motions and strived and stressed out. And Why am I not falling down? Why am I not speaking in tongues? I'm not good enough. You know, I don't know if y'all ever dealt with that. Why am I not doing enough? Why am, you know, maybe I didn't confess something. Maybe I've missed something. It was all, all of that was pointing at me. And, and it's, that's what man-made religion does. It points at me, at you. And uh, so then I met Tracy. Tracy went to a Methodist church. I don't know if you know the difference between Methodist and Church of God, but there's a little different <laughs> as far as styles go, right? And so <laughs> first I went to Tracy's church, and I was like, wow, this is different. And it was very calm and quiet. And they stand up and sit down and repeat things back and forth. It was just different. And it wasn't all bad. There were some good things there, too. And, but I remember thinking, this is boring. I mean, genuinely. And I was, I was still young and ignorant, so I thought, I thought that I had all the answers because I went to this charismatic church, and they didn't. We would say, like, they were, like, the frozen chosen or, like, whatever. You know, we'd make up names or whatever like that. It was really childish, but, I mean, it was just being real. And so then Tracy would come to my church, and she, was, she would, like, want to run out of there. She said, I can't breathe in there. I don't know what's going on. People are screaming and running around. And it's crazy. And I was like, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> this is a lot of fun. <laughs> and, uh, and so we were like, what are we going to do? we gotta find, we got to find something in between. So um, uh, kind of fast forward a little bit. We're, we're kind of searching for churches, trying to find a church that we could try to both kind of breathe in and get something out of, whatever you want to call it. And uh, at the, we were dating at the time. We weren't married yet. And we uh, kind of give you a little back, back story. I was... Like I said, I felt, I felt like I wasn't good enough because I didn't have, all the things weren't happening that I thought, and I wasn't going to manufacture them to be whatever. I wasn't just going to fall down and start rattling off some kind of tongue or something just to 
so I felt like I fit in. I wanted it to be real, but it was just never happening. I mean, this is years. And so Tracy invites me to some youth thing at the Methodist church that I thought was dead. And uh, it was funny how God has a sense of humor. But they have this little, these bikers come out, and they do this rock band thing, and everything's cool. Everybody's just hanging out. And uh, at the end, this lady comes up and says, hey, can I pray for you? I'm like, sure, that's cool. And she's like, no, I think my husband needs to pray for you. And this biker dude comes and starts praying for me. And like all the years that I'd gone up front and, and like cried my eyes out and tried to do all this stuff, this guy comes up, and I'm, I'm genuinely like not seeking anything, not trying to do anything. We just grab hands, he starts praying, and I like fall down on my back and like just over just overwhelmed with with the Holy Spirit is just just overtaken my body and I've just fallen out and I'm just laughing and crying. And I didn't know Tracy just told me this recently that she ran off. Did you run off? She ran off. I knew she was embarrassed, but I'm surprised she stayed with me after that. But like this is not happening everywhere. This is just me. <laughs> I'm in a field behind a Methodist church and I'm just laughing and crying for I don't know how long. I don't remember, but it was long enough to be embarrassed for her to run away. Uh, but, uh, but I love, I love that, that God does things the way that he does things, and I think that even back then he was preparing me for now and today because I think that if that would have happened in a different way, I would have thought that I did something, you know what I mean? Like I confessed a certain sin, or I, I met whatever criteria, I checked whatever boxes so that I could receive something. Um, and that... That didn't happen to me all the time. It happened that one time, and it was just this, it's hard to describe, but it was just this knowing. It was like, it was just like a taste of how good God is, just like a little bitty taste of how good God is, and my, my physical body couldn't handle it. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, so if it ever happens to you or someone around you, that's, that's what it is. Don't be afraid. It's not, sometimes it can seem a little odd, but anyway, that's what it was. So then we start looking for church. We Checked out several cults and different churches, <laughs> different things around Mobile, and and uh, man, it is what it is. And uh, man, I could tell you some stories. But we don't have time, so so we do all this, and then we we uh, we started going to a little. It was kind of a missionary style church, but it was really a, a Southern Baptist church in disguise as a as a newer style church. Nothing wrong with that. It just it was what it was, and and we, I was excited because it felt like it was more of a missions church, and I was feeling in my heart that I, I just wanted to get outside the doors and do stuff. Like, I was reading all this stuff in the Bible about all these things they were doing, and I'm sitting every Sunday, I'm like, when are we going to do the stuff? Like, I want to do the stuff. I like talking about the stuff, I'm learning about the stuff, but when are we going to do the stuff? And so that was me back then. Like, I was just ready to do the stuff, and, uh, but didn't really know what that looked like. So we, we would give out bottled water and do some things at that church, and then it just kind of died down and turned into more traditional church, which was fine, and I learned a lot. It was good several years, and I was asked to become youth pastor. I think at the time it was just because I had frosted tips and spiky hair. And so they're like, I think you'd be a good youth pastor. And I was like, whoa, I don't know about that. And, uh, <laughs> and so I did. I became youth pastor, and I'll, I'll tell you this briefly too. Most of the youth group was like three or four kids, and most of them were the, the pastor's kids. And genuinely, I was teaching them something about Martin Luther, and I was thinking it was Martin Luther King Jr., and it was Martin Luther, who you know is Martin Luther. <laughs> and the kids had to teach me about Martin Luther. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty funny and also very embarrassing. But anyway, I did. I learned about Martin Luther later. But anyway, so we we uh, so I'm teaching these kids, and we're we're there for I don't know how many years, four or five years, probably six, maybe. Jordan till till Tracy was pregnant with Jordan. Tracy heard the Lord leading us to go somewhere else a good year and a half before I did. I was really hanging on because we were kind of at the beginning of that church, and I didn't want to I didn't want to be church hopper. And I was still struggling with a lot of legalism, too. Like, I was really funny about all that stuff. and, and uh, <clears throat> But I started feeling it. If I should, I should have just listened to her. 
Guys, listen to your wife. She hears from the Holy Spirit too. And sometimes more sensitive than you are. Um, so anyway, she was, at least in that instance. And uh, um, so about a year and a half later, I was like, you know what? You're right. We, we do need to go, but I don't know where to go. And so we started looking for a church again. And uh, <laughs> funny how God worked that out too. Bill Starling, if you know Bill, uh, at the time was a photographer for the press register. Caught him sitting Indian style in the middle of Tillman's Corner taking pictures of something. And I was driving by, I was like, there's Bill Starling. And he had stopped, he went to our church for years, and we were good friends. And then he had left and gone to a different church anyway. So I was like, Bill, what are you doing? I was at a red light, and he was like, oh, I'm taking pictures. You want to meet for lunch? I was like, sure. So we went to Zaxby's there in Tillman's Corner, and we sat down, and uh, I told him, I was like, man, I don't know what. I'm Really, the Lord's leading us to go to another church, but I don't know what church to go to. He was like, man, we've been going to Deeper Life Fellowship, and it's really awesome. And he said, they're really into servant evangelism, and I didn't know what that was at the time. But it was exactly what I wanted. It was outreach is what it was. I think Stephen Sojourn was the guy that kind of pushed that whole movement. And uh, Mark kind of grasped onto it. And that's how Deeper Life really, that was the core of Deeper Life back then was outreach, man. We did like the second, we went and visited. And first Sunday we were there, man, we just felt at home similar. Like I feel here too. We just felt at home and everybody was, there was freedom in worship. I'd never seen that either. There were people dancing and I was like, whoa, this is different. And and uh, raising their hands, and so it was, it was a little bit different environment. I was familiar with that from Charismatic Church, but we didn't really have it in the church we were going to. And so there was just so much freedom in worship and seeing different things and different denominational backgrounds. It was a good blend, a good mixture, and, but it was all really focused on outreach and servant evangelism. We would go and give things away and pray for people, and we'd do a dollar car wash where we'd wash your car and give you a dollar and just pray for people, and we'd buy down the price of gas and pray for people, and, and uh, I was like, this is it. This is what I'm looking for, man. It's outside the doors of the church. And, man, we just we jumped in. Like, the second Sunday was Servapalooza. We went all over, and uh, it was uh, Lonnie. I met Lonnie, and Lonnie taught me so much about just loving people. And just, I mean, we went out and prayed for the homeless and just hugged them and loved them. And that was another thing. It was a big hurdle for me to be able to, to pray for people like that out loud and, and really just, just uh, to love people right where they are, regardless of the circumstances and my opinion even of them. Because uh, I had a poor opinion even back then. It was cool how God worked that out because I was always like, homeless people need to work hard like I did and go get a job. And and uh, Lonnie taught me to love people regardless of, of my opinion of them because it's the same way Jesus does. My, my love is not bound by whether they're taking advantage or not. Hopefully they're not, but I can still love them right in the middle of it. And so I, I learned that. Lonnie was an incredible tool, uh, tool in that whole process too. Um, then... From that, to give you more history of the church, so we go from that and we're, we're learning about kingdom. Man, I had never seen kingdom taught so well and, and uh, Levy Knox and Delia and we started learning about kingdom and I started, it started being highlighted in the Bible everywhere it talked about kingdom and the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. I was like, man, how, why have I not heard of this kingdom? And it was just, oh, this is awesome. And so we just got filled with this kingdom understanding of what the kingdom was. Well, as we're learning about all this kingdom, we start having these healings. People just start getting healed. And I don't, at the time, I don't think that, and the conversations I've had with Mark, it wasn't really like we were seeking that or like it was a thing. It just started happening. Like, oh, Mark Wyatt was, the, was, was my pastor that started this church that we're in now, if you don't know Mark. So when I mention Mark, it's Mark Wyatt. And, uh, huh? It's not Mark Wahlberg. It's not Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. It's Mark Wyatt. Um, <laughs> Although I did used to call him Marky Mark sometimes. Anyway, so, so yeah, that's Mark Wyatt. That's our pastor. It's the founding. Mark founded this church that we're in now, even though the name's changed. Anyway, so, yeah, that's who Mark is. Uh, so, yeah, so first it was, 
Who's the first one? Lee McDougal had Parkinson's. Uh, that was right before we came. He got healed um, of Parkinson's disease. He was pretty much almost dead. Like Parkinson's, he was basically his family was distancing themselves from him because they were, he had a death sentence of Parkinson's. He was in the last stages. And he was a young man, yeah. I mean, hunched over, shaking, bad, bad, in a wheelchair, like dying. Yeah, couldn't eat. He was, he was on his way out. Anyway, radically healed. Comes back, runs around the church. It was amazing. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. Still, I mean, still healthy. Um, crazy, incredible testimony, too. Even, man, I could, I could go on about Lee McDougal's life, even after he was healed. Um, went through a divorce and, and ended up marrying his wife again. And all that was even restored through the whole thing. Anyway, cool story. Lee McDougal, he's, he's actually that. I think there's a TV thing on it, too. Yeah, Lonnie, Lonnie died and came back. So Lonnie died of cancer and came back. Um, I mean, lots of things. We were seeing people healed left and right. Um, heart disease and, like, cancer was disappearing. Like, Yeah, Amanda, yeah. Well, didn't Mark get a word of what exactly what it was? Something apathy? Something going on like, I'm okay now. But it was a very specific thing. It was like neuro something. It was a long word that Mark didn't even know really what it meant. What? Dysautonomia. Mark said, I'm hearing dysautonomia, and someone struggled with it for 12 years, and it was her. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, he's out here. Anybody? Anybody? She's like, hey. Yeah, and like in the middle of service, she was like, I'm okay now, and she's still okay. Her name on Instagram is healed. Some Amanda healed, yeah. So, I mean, this is this is like... These, oh, yeah, Delia. Delia Knox, 23. She sang here in a wheelchair the Sunday before she was healed the next week and is still walking in high heels. She was paralyzed for 23 and a half years from, a, from an accident that severed her spinal cord. And she, man, completely healed. And, I mean, all of these things were just happening, so we're like, I guess this is what we do now. So, I mean, it was just, it really it was just, an, it was, and I seriously, I remember having meetings with Mark. And we're just like, we're digging in scripture and we're just trying to unravel what we're seeing happen right in front of us. It wasn't really a push for this or anything like that. We weren't trying to make anything happen. This, it was a season in, in our church where we were just seeing a lot of this stuff happen. It was awesome. These things just happen, right? It's almost like it's in the body. So that's the good part of it. I'm going to get to the bad part of it in a minute, but that's the good part of it. <clears throat> so these things start happening. Well, when these things happen, sometimes people will come around and enjoy those things, and most of us do. Um, and so we, our church grew pretty quickly, pretty rapidly, and we had some really awesome stuff happen. And then there was a kind of a trend, kind of leading one direction, where uh, this is this is the part that's not as fun. Where there there was a group of people that really wanted to just focus on that, and we as a church really weren't just focusing on that. We were just discovering sonship and kind of on our way into grace to to discover some more things. Um, never abandon healing, and we never will. It's a hundred percent part of the kingdom, and we will pray for you to grow a new arm right now <laughs> and believe that it'll happen, 100%. But it is part of the kingdom. It, it, we don't worship healing. We worship Jesus. And so not to, not to shed, cast any bad things, but there was a group of people that just wanted to do that, and that's not what we wanted to do, and so they separated. So we had a bit of a church split, and it hurt badly. I don't know if you've ever had a church split. It's like a family splitting up, and it hurt deeply. Well, that deep hurt cut, cut our church and cut Mark's heart and his wife's heart. And it was a hard time. It was a very difficult time. And I don't know that they ever fully really recovered from that. And at that, at, through that season, there were lots of people, and I don't want to leave anybody out, but I just remember the, specifically the Turners and us getting together thinking, what do we do? 
Do you remember that? When, when Mark was just, I mean, he was just burned out and hurt and falling apart. And I'm praying, like, do we need, do we need to give up? Is this church over? Like, we didn't know what to do. No, we're like, no, none of us heard that. We heard we need to support Mark. And we did everything we could to, to try to make things work. And it was, it was hard. I mean, I'm just being real. It's one of my gifts and curses. I'm very transparent. Uh, so we were, we were hurt and we were struggling and we didn't really know what to do. Um, and enter Ben and Buddy. Um, specifically Ben. Uh, man, through that time, huh? Oh, yeah, Brian. Dang, I'm sorry. I almost forgot Brian. Brian, too. Bridge boy, yeah, Brian too, man. Just me trying to figure all this stuff out and having that that outlet to be able to call and talk to other people that were understanding grace and understanding just coming out of of, of really religion in general and understanding the truth of, and how big uh, grace was, but also kind of st- starting over again because they were kind of starting over again with another church too, right down the road. Anyway, to have that outlet and to share that heart was such an encouragement at that time. Um, and then Mark comes to me and says, hey, I'm done. I'm retiring. I'm out. And I want you, I, I choose you. <laughs> I give you the opportunity to be the pastor. And I, that was not in my sights. Like, I wasn't looking to do that, especially at that time. I thought maybe one day, there's always that one day thing. Maybe one day I might do that one day. But it wasn't that day. <laughs> and so when he told me that, I was like, man, I, we need, let me think about this, pray about it. And Tracy and I talked about it. And, and uh, we prayed about it. And uh, we, we talked to Turners about it. We're like, man, I don't know what we're going to do. We've got to do something. And so I, once again, I started thinking, well, what are my options here? Are we going to go somewhere else? Are we going to go to a different church? And I was like, where else will we go? <laughs> this is our family. I mean, we're, we're going to do this. And if we do it, we're all in, like 100% in. At the time, the building was for sale. We had no finances. <laughs> like everything was against us, really. And uh, I mean, genuinely it was. I thought, this is worst opportunity ever. <laughs> Let's do it. This is going to be great. This is, we're going to do this. And we had, we had um, what is it called? The people that were tied to the building? Guarantors tied to the building. Three different families. Two of them I don't think even went to the church anymore. But they were tied to the building. They were financially obligated to this building. They put up like land and different things so that we could have this building. And it was for sale. So they could not. Oh, yeah, Pam, you guys and Sam, yeah. And uh, I think you guys were the only ones that were still really coming at the time. I think the other two. I don't know. It doesn't matter. All that to say, there were other people financially obligated to this building, and I didn't want to mess them up. And at the same time, I just kept hearing from the Lord that we didn't need to sell the building. So I, I became uh, interim pastor and then senior pastor here, and then um, I just kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, you don't need to sell the building. And it's hard to grow a church when you got a for sale sign out front. don't know if you know that. It's a bit of a discouragement. <laughs> it looks like the building's for sale. Hey, come join our church. We might be here. I don't know. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, man, I was so nervous, and I called another pastor, uh, a friend of mine who's a pastor in the city, um, and I asked him, and I was like, man, I don't know what to do. And he was like, well, what, what are you hearing from the Lord? And I was like, well, this is what I'm hearing. He was like, well, I said, but it's really their building. He was like, yeah, but it's also a church, so it's the Lord's building, so just meet with them and tell them what you feel like the Lord's saying. I mean, I'll just ask them what they think about it. And so I scheduled this meeting, and I was so nervous, so nervous. And I met with them, and I was like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. I've got kind of this financial plan where we can be wise. We want to protect you guys and make sure the bills are paid and you guys don't get hurt and everything's going to be okay. And I mean, I had this whole long speech. felt like the prodigal son. Like they interrupted me. They were like, hey, okay. All right. And they took the sign down that day. Like it was no big deal. I was like, okay. <laughs> That's cool. We'll do this. And so we did. We put a financial plan in, in play. And we got, I said, six months ahead on the, on the mortgage. Make sure we're covered before we do any other line item. We had like $0 on all the line items in the budget. 
and we'll, we'll work with this until we can. And so anyway, we move forward. The Lord did some awesome things, man, um, in, that, in that season. And then uh, we kind of had this uh, a kind of a church merge, which felt good, almost, almost like, you know, this is, this is a, uh, a healing from the church split. So we kind of had two churches come together with completely different backgrounds and histories. Um, and that was an interesting time, too, to try to figure out what all that looks like and how we're going to do all that. So everything's just like new. Everything's constantly like brand new. Um, and in the process of all this, we begin to talk and, and, and even, uh, I believe, Dawn's one that, that brought up uh, refinancing the building and getting the guarantors off. We ended up getting the guarantors off. And we had tried this several times before, and it was like, no, we can't do it. This time we go, we're like, hey, can we refinance the building and get the guarantors off? They're like, sure. We, I mean, seriously, it was that. It was like, oh, okay. And we were same thing. We're like, prepare the speech, and we got all these plans. We got, you know, Melvin's got graphs and charts, and we're going to, yeah. We're going like, to really sell this, and they're like, yeah, we can do that. We can take all the guarantors off, and we can refinance and get your note down lower, and no more balloon payment. And I'm like, what? <laughs> awesome. This is great. And uh, we've got another good thing that even though we don't have a, a ton of money, and we're, we're always like, bare bones around here. We have a ton of equity in this building, and we've got a good area like that we live in, like separate from just the spiritual sense, which I guess it's tied to it. We've been wise with with the money that we have to try to be, you know, take care of the things that we have here. Um, so I appreciate that. We don't really push money very often at all. I try not to talk about it at all, and you guys are always faithful in giving, and I, I thank the Holy Spirit for that, for leading in it. All right, so kind of fast forward now. Um, here we are. <laughs> Did that catch everybody up? <laughs> All right, y'all good? Everybody happy? I'm, I'm already six minutes over, and I didn't barely get through, but I tried to go as quick as I could. Um, but that's kind of that's kind of where we come from, and we do. We've seen some incredible things, and I think that we've got some incredible things. And I, I will say this before we wrap up: the Lord has placed several new families in this church, um, and I don't want to get into specifics, but I've had conversations with many of you guys, and I believe that there is a season coming that's going to be brand new, like for us. Um, excuse me. Is brand new, and I'm, I'm hearing y'all's hearts, which is really cool, because I've really felt um, overwhelmed sometimes trying to figure out all this stuff, and I'm thankful that I'm hearing from you guys your hearts for ministry, because that's always been part of Mark's vision and my vision, is to build you guys up, because I, y'all don't need to lean on me, you need to lean on the Holy Spirit, and if, if I'm doing my job as a pastor, you guys are growing in that relationship. You guys are growing outside these doors where you can minister to other people. And I'm seeing some of the the sentiment of our, our original church. What was the we what were we called when we were deeper life? It was outward focus. What was before that? Outward. Passionate lovers of God. Wasn't there a third thing? Yeah. Some. I thought it was something outward focus, passionate lovers of God. I'm not real good with memory anyway. Life giving. That's what it was. Life giving. Outward focus passionate lovers of God. That was our like slogan with Deeper Life Fellowship. Um, and so I, I've been feeling for the last probably three, bless you, past probably three or four years, a heart for outreach. I've got a heart for outreach. I just, I don't think it looks exactly like it used to. My heart is, or, or maybe my gifting, I don't know, maybe not. I've always, I've always liked um, what we would call kind of behind the scenes, there's um, high volume, low impact, and low volume, high impact. Mark was very good at high volume, low impact, where that's easier to jump on board with. You can go out and you can just like blast people and love them and bless them, and then you, you're gone, which is good. And it's it, there's nothing wrong with that. And it, it grew me a lot too. But my heart is, 
I like to be consistent. Like, I'd, I'd like to do some kind of ministry where we can be consistent. Because that was one of the things when I was younger is there were people that would come in my life and then they would leave. Come in my life and then leave. And even when we went to, although I'm thankful for the, the missionaries in Honduras because they do stay there, but it broke my heart to go to some of those places and, and meet those orphans and love on them and then leave. It just broke my heart. I'd hate, I hate leaving. Um, and so that was one of the reasons we connected with the children's, the Alabama Baptist Children's Home, which that, for a season, that door is closed. And so we may need to find an, an, another opportunity to serve and love people in a consistent way. So that doesn't mean that we don't need to do high-volume, low-impact stuff, but that may be somebody else needs to lead that, or vice versa. Somebody else may need to lead a, a group to do this. But I want to, I think that, I think that that's going to be part of the next season in this church is what I'm seeing is something outside the doors, some kind of outreach, some kind of thing that we do in our city that we can bless other people. Yes. just want to point out from, you know, I don't love ladies' ministry, women's ministry, and yet God gave me the ability to do a ladies' retreat. He put that, like, that's not my natural bent. Yes. So just because you, you say, oh, that's not my thing, like, oh, I can't talk to people, I'm not, I'm, I'm an introvert, I can't, I can't pray with people I don't know, I don't pray out loud, or you know, don't, don't say, hey, that's not what I do. When God wants you to do something, you can do it. Yeah, exactly. That, it, that's, that's, even, why, yeah. that's why it's a gift. Your gift, we've talked about it over and over again. Your gift is not just for you to learn new things. Your gift is given on the basis of what someone else needs. You get that? It's not, this is why we try not to teach too much on gifts because it's not wrapped around you. It's for other people. The gift, you, the gift God gives you, you don't earn it. He gives it as a gift. And it's for others. So when you get a gift, it's for other people. I used to tell the youth all the time and still want to tell the youth, the few youth we have back there, um, they'll say, well, that's not my personality or that's not, you know, that's not me. Well, personalities change. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> but we all grow and we all change. They do. I was quiet until like the seventh grade. Like you couldn't even get me to speak. And now I don't shut up. Like your personality changes. It's okay. Like, don't, don't get too caught up in your personality because it could change. Yes. Um, another great example is uh, one of the recent uh, mission trips in the past. Uh, we had Paula go with us, Paula Everett. And, you know, so we're running around ministering to people, you know, giving them food, praying for things. And, it, it, you know, at the beginning of the week, she was like, yeah, okay. And she'd like reach out and put her hand on people and we'd pray. And she'd like that. By the end of the week, she's like, I'll pray for him, you know. Yeah. You know, God can shape your personality and give you boldness. That's mm -hmm. one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he gives you boldness <coughs> to step out and do things you're not comfortable with. And then you grow. Yeah. And she's awesome. I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember the first gas buy down, or it might not have been the first one, but a gas buy down that we went to. And this, I think Sarah or somebody prayed for this girl. She was blind in one eye prayed for and she was healed and it happened right there at the gas pump and that I remember like after that happened my boldness grew like like my heart grew 10 times my boldness grew like 10 times and I just started like praying for people like, how are your eyes like I was just focused on my eyes how are your eyes can you see how many fingers am I holding up and they're like my eyes are fine buddy calm down I was like all right I just know it happened right there so it can happen at my pump too so there is something there is something to be said when you when you go with a group of people and you you experience it, and you can, you can, especially amongst people that you know and love, that you can feel comfortable to do those kind of things. You really do grow in it. Yeah, that's why I think today was really good, just to remember the testimony of the goodness of God and remind ourselves that He's He's pretty great. He yeah. does some great stuff as if we're yielded to Him and you know willing. So yeah. that's the thing is we don't make it happen, but we have to trust in God and make ourselves available. Yeah, for sure. 
Carol? Carol's landing a plane or she needs a microphone? <laughs> Thanks. Um, I just want to share this little testimony. Um, I'm um, part of a group of grandmothers that we meet every couple weeks. And uh, one of us got a, a bad uh, mammogram report. And so she had to have, um, um, and her son is very sick with cancer. So she got this bad mammogram report. And we prayed that it would just turn out to be a chance for her to meet the, the doctors and be impressed with her kindness. That was our prayer. Mm -hmm. that, uh, and so she went and um, they, um, what they call it, aspirated the cyst. They pulled, they put the needle, they found it on ultrasound and put the, so they could do a biopsy. Mm -hmm. and, um, <coughs> and so then the doc told her, uh, told the um, sonographer to find the cyst and he wanted to look at, you know, the position and everything. And the sonographer could not find the cyst. And the doctor looked at her and said, and the doctor took over and tried to find the cyst. And then he looked at her and he said, I have never seen this. It's never happened before. And instead of being, having to have, yeah, she's free. She could just go for regular mammograms once a year. God healed her. Yeah. That happened literally like right there with Amanda as well. You yeah. remember? She, she was having the same thing. Huh? Like stage four. Yeah, it was like stage four or some kind of, and they, she went back and they're like, we don't know what happened, but it's gone. And we hear that all the time. And the doctor says the same thing. We don't have an explanation for it. And that's okay. We don't, we don't need, we, it's above our explanation. We don't need an explanation. So we're, it's funny how many times we hear that and we're still surprised by it. So anyway, yes, real quick. I need to go shoot kids in the face with paintball guns. That's absolutely fair. It's a good reason to leave. Um, <laughs> But while we're talking about healing, would you guys also pray for me? Yeah. I, um, so <laughs> my life is just kind of a, a ball of crazy right now, for just to put it in summary. And so I've been under a lot of stress. Um, but somewhere in the process, I slipped a rib out of place and didn't realize it until like yesterday. And it's really painful. And even like today, I was like taking aspirin for it and it's still not working. Um, so would you guys pray for me? Yeah. So let's pray. You, <clears throat> if y'all want to gather around, you can, or just stretch your arms out. We just want to pray. Um, Father, we just pray for Lydia right now. Lord, whatever's going on with her rib, uh, Lord, we know that you knitted her together in her mother's womb. And so you know every bit and every part of her body. And so, Father, we know that in heaven there is no rib out of place. And so we pray that you would heal her right now on earth as it is in heaven, complete, whole, 100% healed. Lord, in addition, the, the trouble she's having um, with stress or strife that she's dealing with, Lord, you said that you would leave us with your peace, not like the world has peace, but your peace. So, Lord, I pray for her to enter into your peace, for her to see your peace. Lord, that the decisions that she has to make coming up in the future, Lord, that they would be easy and that your peace would go with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.